Well, there are tacos for me at the end of this, so you've got a lot to live up to, mister. Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the Internet's own Christopher Schmidt, and on today's show, we welcome Rachel Neighbors. Rachel has worked with Mozilla, the W3C, and Salesforce. Currently, Rachel is a program manager at Microsoft Edge team representing web design and animation communities. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. You need to make plans for CSS DevConf 2017 this October 9th through 11th. It's more than just CSS. We cover topics like web components, React, JavaScript frameworks, of course, design systems, of course, Webpack, Taskmasters, everything. So grab your tickets now and learn from Chris Boyer, Wiss Boss, Nina Markham, Harry Roberts, Estelle Weil, and some many other great speakers, all happening in New Orleans. Tickets are on sale now at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, inspiration, handpicked by me. So sign up now at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. Speaking of email, set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. So whenever there's a new show, you get it. Reminder pops up in your email. It's pretty awesome. Be notified by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Also, you can find show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We discuss a lot of them. Find them at nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow me at Twitter at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T, Telejet. As always, thank you for telling others about Not Breaking Space. Now on with the show. Well, let's talk about uh, web animation and web animation, uh, I guess, API in general. Uh, so what, what is cool about web animation API? Uh, and I'm just going to just um, ask you to uh, uh, probably forgive my 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 naivete or my my ignorance on this on the subject so you know animations came out like you know we didn't really have animations in our browsers until safari and apple people said like hey we want animations and we're gonna put in css here's your spec and then people were like oh okay and then um so when i came out i was like why are we putting a behavior in css that seems kind of crazy because it's like Man, that seems like a behavior thing for JavaScript to, to handle. And so, but we, hey, we have animations in CSS. Okay, crazy. So now we have a web animations API. And, um, or like, and can you tell us about the state of that? And, and um, you know, and why, I guess my, 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 ignorance, my ignorant question, which I am afraid to ask, but like, why isn't there like more robust CSS animations? And so instead of like web animations API. You know I'm giving this talk at CSS DevConf in New Orleans, right? <laughs> uh-huh. You sure you want me to give it away for free over the air? I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the dirt. Okay. All right. So it's interesting because I have met the people who have implemented, like who first wrote and then later implemented CSS animations and transitions, hmm. and it it truly was an internal ask. You know, there was someone at Apple who was like, we want the Apple website to look as good on an iPhone as a native app. Mm-hmm. Get us some transitions and animations on there. And boom, there was this prefixed, uh, prefixed setting you could get just in Safari on iPhones mm. and later Safari on, uh, on the desktop or immediately thereafter. I forget which, but the point was it came out and it was prefixed for a long time. And the standard just kind of sat there. The standard, though, if you like compare Smile, the SVG animation language, mm-hmm. which you can mark up directly in the SVG with tags, when you compare the terminology, you can tell that they are definitely of different heritages. For instance, Smile uses the expression easing to describe the rate of change the animation should pursue for its duration. CSS animations and transitions use the... Uh, animation-timing-function syntax. And the default, uh, the default easing for animation timing functions is ease. Mm-hmm. Not linear, just ease. And ease isn't even like ease in or ease out. It's like this real weird quirky ease. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make any sense. Somebody was like, this sounds good to me. But it got such widespread adoption because everyone was building their sites for iOS Safari. Mm-hmm. And they were using the WebKit prefix all the time that you know other browsers were just kind of, 
well, we got to adopt it the way it is or the internet will break. At least that's what I understand. <laughs> well, it's because like, the, was it, would you just say it was like the popularity of the iPhone and everyone was just trying to catch up with that or play along with that? I would say so. For a long time, uh, prefixes were a problem. I remember there was this problem where people were only using prefix properties and they weren't using the unprefixed versions either. Mm. And uh, I think there was like this huge back and forth when Apple, when Opera said it was going to start recognizing WebKit prefix properties as being unprefixed, and if people were like, "What? Why are you doing that?" and that's when we all realized that prefixes are bad, <laughs> because people will only use the prefix for whatever the current dominant player in that space is, and forget the rest, and all of us will be left out like Oliver Twist, begging for more in the cold. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's, just, it's human nature. I think it's just like. Uh, people are lazy, right? So they're just going to be like, oh, it works. I can just go home now, you know. This was before the advent of SaaS. Right. Yeah. Well, true. Like, well, still SaaS. SaaS, like, it depends on who's who's still writing SaaS, right? So, I mean, you know, if you don't have enough, if you don't have forgiveness or, or you know, you know, you have the WebKit or, like, you know, your, your auto prefixes and then you're going like, yeah. So, anyway, I'm just trying to. I'll try to make excuses for people for being lazy. Sorry. You know, it's the it's the weirdest thing. We're talking about SaaS. Does anyone still use SaaS? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think um, I work on it uh, today. So yeah, I don't know. There, are, are, I still are, love it. Yeah, I think. I mean, are you talking about like people using post CSS now? Or yeah, I feel like CSS is really aside from extends. It's capable of doing between CSS and various pipeline tools like post CSS. Mm-hmm. I feel like we don't see as much need for SAS as we used to, unless you're like me and you're doing really amazing backflips with sprites and media queries and things that you shouldn't be doing otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I sometimes feel like SAS isn't a part of many front end development conversations, but perhaps I'm wrong on that one. All I know is one day we might not be talking about SAS in the same breath we talk about front-end development, which makes me happy that I just use CSS in all of my courses that I've done. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I just, well, I think it's kind of, I think the CSS, uh, you know, just from what I've seen from the outside looking in, just with the CSS working group, I think they're, they've, SAS has done a lot of, I think, wake-up calls with what needs to be done in, into the spec. You know, that's from like, you know, uh, using variables now being native and trying to, uh, you know, I think that's the big, one of the big things is trying to get that there. And then once you, once you have like variables in there, I think that that's why I thought it was the gateway drug for SAS was the ability to use uh, variables. And so once you, oh, have, yeah. so, you know, once you have that, then you have, you know, there's like extends, like you mentioned, like there's some cool things in SAS. So, but, uh, you know, but I think post CSS is where you, if you, you know, you start writing post CSS and you have your, you know, your, your task runners and your build tools. I think it's maybe not as, as, as important know, as it was before. I'm a terrible person. I don't use post CSS. I use compass. I still use compass with uh, SAS. That's okay. That's cool. It does all my spriting for me. I love it. I still haven't found something that does the spriting quite so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, well, like it's important to use your tools that you like. Right. So I'm not, uh, like, yeah, there's more than like one there's way. There's a lot of, yeah, it's more than one way to skin a cat. So, like, I don't know. So, and you know, it's like different. I don't know. This is just from my point of view. Just when I looked, I just don't like. Uh, yeah, if you like your tool, look, use your tools. I don't know. Like, um, I talked to uh, there was someone uh, who we had to speak at a conference, not CSS DevConf, but like another one, and he just spoke on Photoshop, and because he's like a Photoshop whiz, and um, so he gave like some like ten great Photoshop tips, and I still like. I have to still have to go through my notes to remember them all because I, I I love Photoshop a lot and um, and I, I just I use it every day and so I still like forget the stuff he, he teaches and he actually tried to like jump the uh, sketch bandwagon and he just couldn't uh, he just gave up on it he actually made this whole twit you know confession it's like oh, I can't I can't do a sketch because uh, I know I know Photoshop very well and I can do in Photoshop in ten minutes it takes me forever to do in sketch and I was like. Dude, if you know your tool and you've been like a master at it, I really don't think you could, you know, 
There are motion designers who know After Effects first and foremost and refuse to start using principle or whatever else people are trying to get you to do motion design comps in, even though it's a more specific tool to the use case. Mm -hmm. If you're a wizard who knows all of the hotkeys and shortcuts and has their own streamlined scripted workflow, I can't really blame you for sticking with that. Yeah, I mean, there's some tricks I know in Photoshop that I can't replicate in other, like in Sketch or whatever. So I'm like, I'm just going to. So, so if I want to affect that, you know, I go to the tool that gets it. So After Effects, what do, what do people, what should people, if, if I'm using After Effects, like how it's marketed, as a web designer, I don't really know. Like, say, it's like, what would After Effects be used for? After Effects is really good for building motion design mockups. For instance, uh, a lot of the times at companies that can afford to have, you know, a dedicated motion designer or prototyper, a motion designer would use After Effects to build a bunch of different mock-ups for how a loading spinner could look or what an interaction might look like. It allows them to animate the the pieces of the user interface uh, fairly easily. But it has that similar issue where it's like Photoshop. It was made for one thing and for After Effects that was to create like little flyovers with people's names during playoffs or the weather channel you know it's it's for literally motion graphics it's just for it's it's not a studio animation tool but people do create studio animations with it it's not an SVG authoring tool but body moving will export from After Effects to SVG it's a it's a plugin written by a front end developer Hernan Torisi it's really cool you should check it out yeah and that's, and, and that's uh, body moving by B O D Y M O V I N yeah you got it no g at the end I just, just case yeah people. just an apostrophe okay uh, so so there are these these all these use cases that it was not designed for, but people will use it for them anyway. It's not a user interface mock-up, uh, mock-up thing. It's, it's, it doesn't have really good tools for like spitting out a bunch of icons and menus and Mm -hmm. doing layouts or wireframes. But if you need to move something from point A to point B after effects is a good tool for that. And people just maneuver their skills around that. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, uh, with, uh, you know, with Adobe, the license now, like the, the software is like, you get a subscription, you have access to all their tools, you know, instead of having to like, you know, back in the day, like you just bought Photoshop or Illustrator or like a digital designer combo pack and you just got like your CD-ROMs. And then, you right. know, and so now you have like, I have access to like, you know, we have access to the whole suite if you're on, you know, the Adobe subscription model. And that's just crazy that I can, and I actually do print design. And so now every night, or once in a while I have to, do that one-off design, like print design thing for, for conferences or whatever. I was like, oh wait, I, I have InDesign. I can just, and I had the latest version of InDesign. I don't have like the five-year-old version of, like CD-ROM that they would dig up and install. You know, so it's, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't open that for you. Could you save it as the compatible version? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So uh, but yeah. So I've lived that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, uh, but yeah. So After Effects, in After Effects, I like uh, recently, like I was. You know, and I find that's really kind of cool because, like, uh, I guess people who go, go to web development courses now and, and schools, they're actually, like, taught a little bit of After Effects, too, so which, which is pretty pretty sweet. Oh, are they? Well, I, I saw, like, one person in this design group, you know, they're kind of like, like a five-person design team, and the designer was, yeah. uh, who does, like, you know, the, the, like the designs for the mock-ups and everything like that, she was doing some graphic work in After Effects, and she was exporting it as a uh, GIF animation. And I was like, yep, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> that's like pretty, that's pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, so then I was like, let me learn more about this after effects thing. Cause I want to do that. So we, you know, it's funny that you should mention after effects. I was going to say, well, that GIF is lovely for a designer, but it's pain in the butt for a developer to take a GIF or a video and perfectly recreate a <clears throat> perfectly recreate that animation. I have stayed up. This is the one thing I complain about all the time. And the designer, every time he hears me complain about it, apologizes. <laughs> I stayed up till 1 a.m. trying to recreate the spinning thing for a designer. And I got it just right. Designer walks in the next morning and it's like, oh, you didn't get the bounce. Uh, she's like, what? There was a bounce? I didn't see a bounce. You can't scrub a GIF. A GIF doesn't tell you anything about the timing functions. Mm. It doesn't give you durations. You have to eyeball everything and it takes forever. Mm. But there's this lovely new thing from, I mean, 
uh, in my recently published book, Animation at Work with a Book Apart, uh, you will find that uh, I have a section about how to communicate these deliverables to developers. Like developers need to know what the property is that changes, what its duration is, what its easing curve is, you know, and you can lay those out as a, a storyboard. I've actually seen really great examples from, from companies where they document their micro interactions with motion tiles. There's like the GIF of it working, but right next to it, there's the specs for making it do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Google design group has released something really wonderful called Ex- inspector space time, which will. <laughs> do you know what the reference I've... is? Yes, I do. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Community, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. We're all on the same page here. Yeah. So it's Inspector Space Time. Awesome. And basically, you just, it, it's a little plug in for After Effects, and it will spit out those things that you need to give to your developer oh, uh, awesome. based on any comp you have. It, it, it looks great. I can't wait to try it. Uh, so, you know, I complain about, I mean, I still complain about developers naming things weird, but uh, I will have to give that one a kudos when I was, because uh, the, the, the developers give names just crazy names sometimes and so but uh but i like that so so but the tool though is pretty pretty sweet so so this is a great way of just asking for deliverables and saying like hey this is what needs to be done um so 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 how like so so it works with after effects so it's a it's a script for outputting um just like the code from it or like it's just put uh it just squeezes out those three things, the property, the duration, and the easing. From what I understand, I haven't played with it too much yet. Mm-hmm. I've been working real hard at work, so less time for playing around with my toys. Yeah. Well, yes. I, well see, even, even then, okay, so, uh, yeah, so I'm on, I'm on the webpage right now, and we'll have a link in the show notes uh, for anyone. Uh, once go there. But they actually, at the end of their, of their page, they say, like, quote, why the dumb name? And then they actually explain why they're so with the video even better. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty awesome. This is a great tool. Yeah. So it's amazing how like like this is like how After Effects, which is this tool, which you know, if you've been like a dinosaur like me, you've been the design forever, like you would have never thought to use a video tool like After Effects for for web design and for like like at all because you know, we didn't have to deal with motion back then in the day. But now we have now our motion was like a marquee tag, you know, like whatever. But uh, or blink tag. Blink tag, which is, which I think I like too much uh, gruff back in the day, but, but yeah, but so now we've, we, but you know, I guess we realize how good of a tool. Uh, we we had flash. We had flash. Did Come we on. have flash? We had flash and it had a great user interface for creating animations. Well, actually I should take that back. It had a great interface for creating linear animations. Mm-hmm. When it came to creating branching or interactive things, that was when you had to crack it open and start using ActionScript. Right. ActionScript, by the way, is a dialect of ECMAScript. JavaScript is also a dialect of ECMAScript. Mm-hmm. So guess what? These developers back in the day would make tweening libraries. Tweening being, you know, that's the Flash word for the interpolation between point A and point B, you know, the, mm-hmm. the in-between states. Yeah. So there was this tweening library you may have heard of it called green sock yeah and uh its developers saw the writing on the wall as soon as uh, html5 became a thing and they rewrote their whole library in javascript so even animation today has its roots in the animation of yesterday yeah yeah green sock or they're great guys uh and uh, it's a great tool so um so i want to get back to we were talking about the web animations api yeah, well, also, I want to get back to, uh, you mentioned GreenSock API. I think I want to mention tools and uh, compare GreenSock API uh, to uh, the Web Innovation API. So are these uh, two things at war with each other? Can they work in tandem together? Or is it like GreenSock is the you know patch or polyfill for Web Innovation API? Like where in the landscape do we put these tools? So... Uh, very good question. Thank you so much for asking, Chris. The uh, the deal with GreenSock is that it... Hmm, how do I put this? My perspective on GreenSock has grown over the years. It has changed. GreenSock is a great tool for creating cross-browser compatible animations that perform uh, relatively 
uh, well. Like they they look good on most browsers uh, across across browsers, but it particularly shines. I mean, it has some tricks that are very hard to do using CSS, like morphs. Morphs are very hard to do. You could do them with Smile, uh, but Smile is in the process of kind of not really, but also, yes, really being deprecated. So it's not something you can really work with. But Greensock does things like that. It has a, a bunch of really neat functions for sequencing and staggering. And it's a lot like uh, a lot like Flash and that allows you to do grouping and sequences like that. But where it really shines is browsers kind of suck at animating SVGs. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, let's all be real here. Uh, for the longest time, like the transform origin of SVG elements Mm-hmm. I think it still is different for most browsers. I'm not the SVG expert. You should bring Sarah Drazner on for that, or maybe Sarah Swayden. Uh, but point is, browsers have had very different different um, implementations of SVG over the years. It never seemed really important to update these implementations because who was going to animate an SVG, right? Like like with CSS, who was going to, oh, oh, they're doing, oh, dang. The transform origin point is wrong on all of these. Oh, and uh, so, uh, oh, and additionally, like for instance, in Edge, you can't animate um, the CSS properties on an SVG at this time because they need to be mapped to... Uh, attributes, uh, SVG attributes, because you can, you can write CSS, uh, properties, but well, they look like CSS properties, but they're SVG attributes, you know, like color red, you know, stroke, etc. And they map to CSS properties quite nicely, actually. Uh, but that requires a lot of work for browsers to do that. That's why every browser is a little bit different because they didn't always get those maps perfect. Yeah. So, if you're trying to animate SVGs with beautiful, performant, crisp uh, CSS, you run into problems across browsers. It's not as easy. You end up doing what I do, which is you export the SVGs, multiple images, and you animate those. But then you're in a terrible place if you want to animate the property. Like, what if you just want to change the background color on that SVG? You're not asking to, like, spin it or anything. Can't you just let me have at that CSS goodness? Well, Greensock normalizes that behavior. It just basically punches the SVG with the attributes it's asking for. Um, and it, it does that. Well, I think it does that. I mean, I may be, I may be outdated. It may have changed. But the point is that Greensock normalizes that behavior across browsers. It's essentially a gigantic animations and SVG polyfill for all browsers. That's a lot to deal with. Uh, it's it's a bit of a hefty uh, a hefty animation library, um, which is a downer because we don't like to. It's sort of like jQuery in that to do this thing cross browser, you have to have a sizable library, but it takes all the work of doing that out for you. I often say that Greensock is sort of like the jQuery of animation. You just can't do business without it right now, but one day in the future you might not need it because browsers are going to normalize their SVG implementations and line them up in a row. Everyone's using SVGs. It behooves them to do so. And uh, when it comes to animations, the web animations API will step in and do most of what GreenSock does with the exception of like morphs and some of the really cool things that GreenSock does. I think GreenSock is always going to be the weapon of choice in the ad agency world. It's so easily grasped by designers, uh, by developers. It, 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 it works so well if your, your client is like, this has to work on everything. But for people who can be a little pickier and choosier, the Web Animations API will become a viable option quite quickly. Also, it has a pretty good polyfill that uh, that you can use, which does normalize some of the SVG behavior. Well, so it sounds like, you know, if if I need to do animations with SVG, that's where GreenSock comes in. And to be honest, like we, we've had the GreenSock people... Uh, with our like SVG summits, uh, like come on and talk about it, and, and like it's it's kind of like night and day, like like in terms of animation, like without Greensock, with SVG, and then with with it for F- SVG, it's just like oh, it actually works. You know, <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it's reliable too. But there are things that Greensock can't really do. For instance, most browser renderers don't recognize Greens. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say most, but the browsers I have checked out do not recognize Greensock's animating of elements on the screen as elements that are animated. So that 
they don't always get promoted to their own layer or sent over to the GPU. Uh, some, for some browsers and in some circumstances, that can create a major performance hit. Um, so it's not always the most performant thing. It would be great if, for instance, you could use the Web Animations API and just let the browser do the thinking for you. The idea behind the Web Animations API is that it would be the API to describe all animations in the browser. It was it was the Internet Explorer folks, now Edge folks, who had originally recommended, you know, they were like, wow, CSS transitions and animations and smile, that's a lot of animation engines, and I'm not seeing a lot of parity between them. Y'all got to get a web animations API that you can use to describe these behaviors. We'll implement that. Then we'll get to smile. Uh, we'll take care of these CSS animations and transitions in the meantime. Thank you very much. And so that's how, like, smile... Uh, <laughs> Mile got put on the back burner for the web animations API. And it makes sense because the API can describe all those animations and every browser will have to conform to the same kind of implementation. And then those browsers can implement their own performance optimizations around it. It basically does everything anim CSS animations and transitions to do, but it does it in JavaScript. The browser knows that the animations are happening, so it can take steps to make them happen performantly. And uh, what I really love is that the syntax is so easy. It's so lightweight. You don't even have to add in like an extra library. It's, it's kind of awesome. Here's an animation object. Hit play. Go. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, awesome. So web animation has like, is it current browser support across the board or? Not entirely. Browser support is like Firefox has the best implementation so far. Okay. Uh, they There's a new site, I think it's called, um, oh shoot, I forgot it. It was just re released today. It was like WPT.FYI. Uh, I think it stands for Web Platform Tests. Uh, and if you go there, I'm going to go check it, see if it works. It does. You can look at the web animations API spec and you'll see that, uh, that Firefox has the best test performance on it. It's the most conformative and Firefox has been really, really involved in the, the writing of that spec. I was writing the, the MDN documentation for the web animations API last year on a grant from Mozilla and I worked closely with the author, and he's so knowledgeable and smart about these things. It's nice that there's someone there who's thinking about them all the time. But you're asking about implementation. Chrome is the runner-up as far as how many bits of the API have been implemented, and it's a pretty big API, so you can't go to caniuse.com and really grasp what is available to you in a particular browser. You, you really do have to go look at WPT, FYI, or in my case, I like specifically, yeah, if you go to developer.microsoft.com and check out the the Edge platform, you'll find a status page that lists all the different APIs that we uh, that we support and where they are, even the ones we don't support. Like, are they in development? Are they on the back burner? Where are they going? But what I really love is you can dig in and you can see the coverage of the individual parts of those APIs uh, stacked against each browser. So it's a good place to check to be like, is that that particular animation object supported in Chrome? I don't know. It's not working. I like to go go to the developer, uh, developer site for Edge and check there. But that said, Chrome is a runner-up. Safari, both iOS and desktop, has started showing up animation objects. Like you can find them if you search for them in the the command line. But if you uh, if you try to create one, their their constructors are not yet enabled. So it the developer preview indicates that they might be implementing it soon. But you know that's all conjecture based on what they've shipped and and what we can tell from the outside in. And Edge has put it on its to-do pile. All right, so so I see there's polyfills that we can we can reach for. Yes, uh, if you go to RachelNeighbors.com/waapi, you will find a resource page for all things Web Animations API, including a link to the polyfill. Uh, it has a GitHub page and everything. I guess I guess now we're, we've been talking about animations, like the code and the part, you know, parts about it. So I guess where. Where should we put animations? And I mean, animations are everywhere from, you know, uh, touch devices to 
you know, the you know, touch devices. I mean, like like the interface for the actual system, but then also like the apps that that people have to create, and then also, uh, you know, now we have like software as application, so they have to like have to integrate in, in, into that that point of view. So, um, is there anywhere else other than these areas that you find animations being a part of? Uh, part of our web experience that I'm missing and, and uh, that people should look out for? That was a that was kind of an all over there question, Chris. <laughs> How am I supposed to come back to that? Like, well, where where, where should we, like, if someone's listening, like, hey, well, uh, I need to make sure I'm using animations. Like, I, like, I, I don't want to, like, have someone, like, like, I don't know, just, like, where should we put animations, I guess? Man, you're asking me to give away, like, the entire second chapter of my book here. Uh, there are a number of really good cases for using animation, but uh, I think I I personally have, like, five categories that I've identified as being great opportunities to use animation. Transitions, like, whenever a person is moving from page to page or uh, location to location on a website or in an app, that's a, a great opportunity to use an animation to let them know where they're moving inside that information hierarchy. Um, supplemental animations, when you're bringing content on or off of the page, for instance, tooltips, dropdowns, sidebars that slide in all of a sudden. And whenever content just appears, that's a good opportunity to animate something. So depending on where it's appearing, you might want to give it a more aggressive animation. You might want to increase its animacy or how alive it appears. If it's going to be like all the way out on the person's peripheral vision, shaking something to attract their attention to it because our peripheral visions are very sensitive to motion. Uh, that's a great idea. There are more, though. I can keep going. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's feedback. You can give users different feedback about their interactions so that they know where they are. For instance, gestures are a brilliant a, a brilliant example of feedback. You know, the swipe when you're on your phone or whenever you're, you're even scrolling is a gesture. So when you're scrolling, that's an animation as well. So tying that human input to a reaction from the machine is great. And there are even times when you're waiting on the machine for something and it has to give you feedback. Loading spinners are an example of that. It's giving you feedback that, hey, I know you wanted to do something, but you got to wait for me because I'm taking a little time. But I just want to say, my, my, one of my examples I love, and I guess I love to hate, but is uh, is uh, using animation. I love the idea of using animation to cool people, like <laughs> cool users down, like like visitors down. And like one of them is like when you're, if you're, if you're a Facebook user and you're like loading a page and st- Facebook's taking a while to load, they do the animation of like, this is where content's going to be. And it's just like, it's like pulsing gray boxes and i just i just love that it's like and um and that just cools me down like i don't because i'm not looking at a blank page waiting to be rendered but i'm just like oh this is nice i i know content's coming here and uh, it's this perception that you know something's happening and i don't have to and i don't have to be upset that the page is taking forever yeah, animations are great for masking load times and other delays uh because people think they're waiting for the animation not the system and then there's, of course, decorative animations. I, I like to say decorative animations are animations that don't actually like add information back onto the page. But anytime, like Greenstock is used for a lot of decorative animations on some of my favorite sites. For instance, uh, Revisionist History's website, it's a podcast I'm a big fan of. Their archives, each one of the podcast episodes, has its own animated header image. And it, the header image kind of alludes to the story inside. And so it's animated just a little bit. It could have been a still image. It didn't have to be animated. They didn't have to animate all those SVGs. It doesn't tell you anything more about it. But if it weren't there, people would have just seen a page with, you know, title of podcast, download button, description. There wouldn't be a whole lot of visual interest on the page. So the decorative animations were added. But you'll notice that the best decorative animations, like this one, like polygons, you know, famous line drawings of consoles on a green background, they all reinforce branding. Decorative animations, when they are used, they tend to reinforce a brand of a company. It's almost like it's almost like it's not worth investing in otherwise. But that depends on who you talk to. And lastly, my last category is demonstration animations. Animations that show you what is happening. Um, like you described 
Well, I guess you could say that the that the flicker, the loading flicker on Facebook is sort of like a demonstration. I would say it's more like a feedback, but a real demonstration would be do you remember the only coin website, coin, the credit one credit card that does all your credit cards for you? Uh yeah, I just never got one in the mail, but uh yeah, I Oh. Yeah, so I I don't I remember the site, I just don't remember. I remember the site and trying to I remember it was a big buzz, but I never really I don't remember the website. Sorry. That's okay. So I'll describe it in in lurid detail for our our wonderful users and listeners. What happens is when I well, you can't find the site anymore, but basically it had a video at the top of the page, which did not autoplay, bless their hearts. But you could watch the video and see how this credit card would make your life so much better. Or you could start scrolling down and there was this actual credit card that would go through all the motions. Like it would show all these other credit cards merging into this one credit card. Then this one credit card swiping through and it was all tied to where you were scrolling. So as you scrolled forward, it would scroll forward. As you scrolled backward, it would back up. And by the time you got to the bottom of the page, without having read any of the words, you totally understood what the value proposition was and why you should have one of these only coin credit cards. That was very demonstrative. Scrolling is one of the, hmm, every time a user does something on your page, whether it's clicking a button to buy now or even just hitting play on a video, it requires executive function. Even even navigation requires executive function. There's a reason why Tumblr auto-loads all the posts for you. Clicking next, who does that? Just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling. And users are more likely to scroll than they are to click. So tying that de- demonstrative animation to scrolling meant that whether or not users hit play on that video, they still took away the story that that page was there to deliver. Dataviz uses demonstrative animations a lot as well. Sometimes there's data that just doesn't make sense unless you see it in motion. A lot of great things happening with like the, what's it? Um, you, I'm going to just transpose it the wrong way. The D3JS. I think that's a, um, yeah, there's lots of great things happening there. So it, um, it D3JS is so amazing. And the people who use it are like wizards. I've seen such I've seen it used in all kinds of journalism. If you're into data visualization, statistics, show, if you have to show people numbers at work, you should totally be checking out D3JS. Yeah. And um, I saw like a demo by uh, Sarah Jasner, like, who happens to know SVG and she knows a little bit of, you know, she knows D3JS. Like, it's like, I don't, like, it's okay. I just knew how to do, uh, and she's like, oh, I don't need to know D3JS. I can just like hack a, hack a SVG, put it like a, Put in uh, Vue.js, and I'm, I'm off to the races. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. So those are those are great options for when you're thinking about animations, uh, applying them into your website. So, and then you know now everyone's you know I think you know when you think about web design, I think modern web design. I always think, I'm I'm thinking in terms of systems and design systems. And so, are there like kind of like I don't want to say boilerplates, but like are there like I guess libraries that can go into a design system that say like, hey, if you need animations for your design system that are pre-made that you want to use into there. Because, you know, I know like, you know, uh, JavaScript frameworks like like um, React or like React, but um, Angular and um, and uh, Vue, they have like their pre-built animation libraries in there for page, for page transitions and all that stuff like that and blocking there. So is there... Is there like like you know if, if I is there some libraries I can I can pull from and and insert them into my own like design system? There's CSS Animate library. It's pretty out of the box, but honestly, I don't recommend just using out of the box animations. I've seen far too many sites include gigantic reams of CSS or JavaScript to do like maybe one bounce animation on the page. I think it's much better if you design and create your own based on what your needs are. Uh, a lot of the animations you get from a pre-built library, they look really slick on the page, but they're like the animations you get in your slide deck, uh, like your PowerPoint or your keynote. Yeah, they got a lot of them. You're not going to use every one of them. And you probably want to customize the ones that you do use because you don't want it to uh, look like everybody else's, right? So I try to encourage people to create their own. If you want to see some really beautiful examples of different kinds of animations, I definitely recommend, like, first of all, Troll Code Pen, 
CodePen is like the best place to go for for inspiration from just seeing what other people are doing. I love it. And the code's right there, so you don't have to dig very hard. The other place to check out, I would say, would be CodeDrops because they have tutorials showing how they do all of these things. And each one of the tutorials has like multiple, uh, like a demo that will show you multiple ways to achieve that effect and different ones that are similar. So I encourage people to check out sites like that rather than looking for libraries, partly because I haven't found a library that has any animations I would recommend in it. Yeah, there's, uh, there's um, yeah, Copen is, is awesome. I'm kind of floored too by CodeDrop just because they're like, uh, sometimes I'm just floored with their, like, their problem statements. Like, you need to do XYZ that translates into like transformation. And, and it's like, oh, I guess I've, I've never really had that problem before. And then you go click on it and they're like, this wonderful UI animation happens. And they're like, I don't know how I would use this, but it looks dang amazing. And I really. Like I might find an excuse to use this because it's really it looks really great to do it. So, but uh, but yeah, yeah. They originally uh, they've just done something with like organic shape animations using SVG and ClipPath, and I look at that and I'm like, oh my god, I want to do all the things. Why can't I put this on my website? My website could look like it was covered in amoebas too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and that goes back to like, uh, I. Do I need my website to look like amoebas? I don't know. Is that the image I want to portray? I don't know. But it looks cool. That's what I'm saying. But, uh, but yeah, there's something called like, animate.css I found recently. When it just, and it's not really something like crazy. Like, it, like it's, not, it's not a lot of options, but I feel like I liked it because it would just showed you like, hey, I need to animate something that, you know, in this fashion, like, you know, like um, they have an issue for like a jello animation. They like a you know, rubber band, something that stretches and wings out. And so like, so if you, that way I feel like I don't have to sit there and like test things out and say like, I need this effect, but I don't really want to like spend forever trying to figure out the CSS animation, like coordinates and all. Yeah, all, it's all not stuff. a bad place to start. I think my only, my only suggestion would be that their website needs to, like it lets you try out the animations. It should really also give you the CSS when you're trying them out rather than being like, go download the entire CSS file on GitHub. Like, just give me the CSS. Give me the CSS. Come on. Yeah, like easings.net, if you go there, you can see different cubic Bezier curves and timing functions in action. It, it'll give you the curve. You can just go right there and, and copy and pot, paste it right into your code. So it's not like you're it's not like you have to download an entire uh, easings library just to use one or two of them. Yeah. At the same time, I would just, you know, I'm still, I'm like, I'm starting to make my own like animation library. Like just so like, are you? Yeah. It's not, it's not that big. It's not that, it's not like big library, but like there's some problems I, I have. Like I want to like, I want to have a heartbeat animation and I was just like, I don't, I don't want to like create this, you know, have this big library. I just want to like have like a keyframe and just like, Hey, I just want to put it in there and, if I need something that like kind of like pulsates a little bit, I don't have to like go crazy. So like every once in a while, like okay, I'll, I need animation that does X Y Z. Let me just put it in my like GitHub and like and upload it. And so there you go. So that's what I feel like. And so in terms of that, in terms of that's how I extrapolate in terms of like, well, if I need it for my tooling, and uh, we talked about branding as one of the reasons why you do animations at work. You know, I feel like you know, just you know, explore that into a design system. And it, oh, yeah. Uh, if you go check out Salesforce's lightning design system, it's a really good example there of a design system that has several out-of-the-box animations for developers to use. It also has a timing palette and a set of uh, provided easings. It's a really good example. I should know. I, I worked on it a bit right. back in the day when I was a freelance web animations consultant and uh, it had a great team behind the overall design system. I, I highly recommend checking it out if you're working on a design system. Uh, Gina Bolton has given a lot of talks and done a lot to promote design systems. And this is sort of like her baby. So it's totally worth checking out. Cool. And so it's the timing uh, that you mentioned for So there's there's a guideline slash motion at Lightning is this Science yep. Okay. If you go to the guidelines, the, the motion guidelines, you will find all of the the animations that it comes bundled with, and they have some tokens for time in another part of the site, which I'm you're gonna have to dig around and find that one. It's grown quite a bit. Right. Awesome. Yeah. This is great. This is a great resource. 
It sure is. And if you're thinking about making your own design system, you there there are uh, this is one of the best uh, best resources to patent uh, your efforts off of. Yeah, this is nice. It's pretty nice. That's cool. Click around. Okay, cool. We'll have a link in the show notes for it. Pretty awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, and then so what uh, what tools would you recommend? For people, I mean, we've talked about a whole bunch of tools already and resources already, but like uh, we talked about After Effects in the beginning, we talked about some plugins uh, there. Uh, what other tools uh, might might you recommend for people? Well, honestly, you can't go wrong with After Effects, but if you are specifically designing apps and things, you should check out, like especially iOS apps, you should check out uh, kite app and uh, and or principal app. They're both designed with motion design in mind. Oh, wow, that really rhymed. Oh, it kept rhyming. Uh, not by design. So, sorry. Uh, sorry, I can't <laughs> stop. I hit the age of dad jokes. Uh, yes. Um, so those are some good starts. Uh, personally, I think checking out Lottie is a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's a it's built on top of body moving. It allows you to export from After Effects to iOS, to React Native, to Android, and also to Windows formats now because of great efforts of many wonderful developers. Uh, I love seeing Airbnb's Lottie take off. Oh, nice. So yeah, and I just, I just, I was floored by how, just by, by how big, I guess, big. I don't know, After Effects is is. is Becoming part of a toolkit for for front end developing. These days. I wouldn't say it's a preferred toolkit for front end <laughs> developing. I would say that it's the preferred toolkit for creating videos that executives can like or dislike. You'll notice that, like I don't know, when I visit when I visit small agencies, they're yeah. not actually. Uh, not many small agencies can afford to have a prototyper mm-hmm. or a a. Uh, a motion designer on staff full time. Right. So smaller companies tend to do more of this motion design work in the browser, in which case I cannot recommend Mozilla, uh, Mozilla's Firefox developer edition enough. I still think that their animation tools are the best in class available in a browser. They're not for composing animations necessarily. They're for tweaking animations. They've got right. timeline tools. You can edit Bezier curves in line. Mm-hmm. Um, control the global time etc it's it's a good place to be okay awesome great cool and uh where can people learn more about uh your books and your courses i wanted to let you know that i do have some goodies for your audience um you see that nbsp10 mm-hmm. uh, code I put into the comments mm-hmm. that gets the audience 10% off my ebook okay and 10% off my CSS animations and transitions courses cool. at, at courses.rachelneighbors.com. So this book does not have any code in it. Okay. I think if you want to learn the code, you should go to the courses section of my site and take that course. So 10% off the course is actually worth quite a bit. 10% off an $8 ebook is like 80 cents. So I'm sorry we're being cheapskates. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I wanted to bring you, your listeners a special little goodie. Cool, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, and I, um, you, 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 you gave a workshop at Frontend Masters, right? That is also correct. Right. If you yeah. are on Frontend Masters, you should check it out. Yeah, and um, I, I did check it out, and I, I, I enjoyed it very well. That was pretty nice. It was a, I learned a lot just going through that Frontend Masters course you gave. So thanks for, thanks for doing that. Oh, it's wonderful. Frontend Masters also has Sarah Drasner's uh, workshop as well. So it's got a lot of great resources. Yeah, pretty awesome. Cool. And where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at rachelneighbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter as Rachel Neighbors. But if you want to hear from me more often or less often, if you're on Twitter, you should check out my weekly animation newsletter, webanimationweekly.com. It is the best thing you'll find in your inbox every week, I promise. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your the time for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Chris. It's uh, it's so good to see you again. I think well, last, well, last time I saw each other was the Alamo, right? Was that it? Or was that? Yeah, uh, last no. year at CSS DevConf. Okay, cool. Yeah. Are you looking forward to this year's? Uh, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's fun. It's just, um, 
It's, uh, it's, it's the same because well, we, we've done it before. Which is one of the reasons why we went back is because we've the challenges of doing a conference is you know one doing one is tough, but then we kind of set ourselves up for a bigger challenge in that we try to go to a new place every year for season DevCon, right. you know, and so this is the first year we're actually kind of like, and we said we always go back to a place you know eventually that we liked or city that we liked, um, and so but uh, and so we're going back to uh, New Orleans because we love the hotel, love the venue. And um, the hotel staff is like just fantastic, and so it's been kind of uh, crazy. Um, was it crazy? It just it's like weird not to have this uphill battle <laughs> with a hotel staff because because every every year you're actually like feeding you know, feeling them out, and so like like how easy is to work with you guys? What is your what are your processes and stuff like that? So it's really kind of kind of weird to be in this position where like they know us we know them uh, we don't have to like learn the wheel you know like learn the whole thing process again so it's been eerily easy <laughs> so I'm trying to like try to like there's, is there something I'm missing about this so but overall it's been you know kind of fun I'm looking forward New Orleans is uh, was a great time last time so and, and hoping you know knock on wood we can you know I it. hope it's repeatable. If yeah. I can help, I'm all about it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, he's, you know, it, it was sort of like, um, well, we, we, I should probably just get this out of the way because, like, I think the first time we met was actually in Hawaii. Yes. At CS at DevConf, and so I mean, people who listen to the show have uh, heard me tell the story a number of times, and people when they ask me about DevConf and and speaking and what tips to speak, um, I always go back to your story that you talk about, and is that. Uh, uh, you you hadn't spoken at a conference yet. You saw that we're going to Hawaii, and they're doing a, we and we do something different. We actually do a call for speakers and we do double blind voting, and so it's based on, based on what people want to see um, in general. It's not on like popular contest. And so what we and so you actually you actually submitted. You said like yeah, I submitted a topic that I thought would be kind of advanced, and I didn't know anything about like like not even know anything about, but you knew like it was. Kind of a tough. I thing. knew I could do it in theory. In theory, I hadn't done it yet. Yeah, exactly. And then you submitted it, and then you got picked, and then you spent like, you know, you put the uh, you know old college try into it, and you actually put together uh, a great presentation. And, and, I, and I was in there for a little bit doing it, and Tabby Atkins was in the room, uh, you know, listening to you speak, and he's on the helping with Google write specs, right? And so uh, and so that was pretty awesome. That was pretty cool. And then. Um, and so then, and then from there you you went to go speak to I think O'Reilly after that, and then just kind of like, and so like and so whenever someone asked me like how should they approach speaking if they want to speak, uh, I always I always tell them the story about Rachel. Aww, yeah. I hope it inspires some folks. Yeah.